Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Spin Class. We're talking politics. I'm your host, Michael Fragan, and Phil Goldfeder coming to you from Central Park in Cedarhurst, New York, with the fresh coffee post Pesach. Coming to you on the Nachum Siegel Network, NachumSiegel.com, around the world on Arut Sheva, Israel National News slash Radio. And it's uh, good to be back after a little uh, hiatus. Uh, you're looking very nice and tan. Uh, thank you very, very much. You know, it's funny. You don't realize how much you miss doing this show until you don't do it for a week. I'm sure our listener is even worse than us. It's a, it has got to be tough for people. And, you know, every day you're looking and you're waiting to see, says, oh, what can I talk about? Oh, yeah. But it's like two weeks of information that's coming. And there's really been a lot. There's been a lot of stuff. I mean, it's just okay. I don't want to. You know, we always we always start off and get get stuck in the the whole circus atmosphere. But we are approaching 100 days. Um, in between the time we had two special elections, uh, one of them was not supposed to be noteworthy, which was the one in Kansas, which ended up being I don't want to say a nail biter, but I'm a lot closer than a Democrat has ever come to winning a seat in Kansas. Um, and the Democrats put absolutely no money or no effort and no candidate recruitment into that. And then the one that we talked about beforehand, which was the special election in Georgia that happened this Tuesday, uh, where the Democrat did not get the magic 50% number now has a runoff. We have a two month now period or that uh, that they're going to be slugging it out. Probably the possibly going to be the most expensive congressional race in history uh, as this becomes a bellwether about the new administration in, you know, 100 days. And, you know, we also have seen uh, a number of quite noteworthy um, items coming from, I'll just call them items coming from the White House uh, every day, uh, you know, and, you know, as we anticipate Yom HaShavah coming up uh, next week, uh, we do have the, well... Only in America could the could the White House spokesman, and I think somewhat innocently, but I, I just don't see how you kind of get this wrong, you know. And this just got to get it off the table because I know it's bothering me. I mean, Sean Spicer once again, it, it just you, you almost you feel for the guy. I mean, at first, at first, I didn't, like, you know, I, I kind of I was kind of offended by the I was offended by the inauguration numbers, but we. He's he the only intelligent person in the world doesn't know the word concentration camps? What the heck is a Holocaust center? I mean, he said yes, there were Holocaust, and, and then of course, I mean, the Assad thing with Hitler. Leave that aside. Okay, so he made a comparison, and you know, the, the, this is like a, a it should be a cardinal rule that everybody should know. I mean, that you don't just don't do the Nazi thing, don't do the Hitler thing. I mean, Trump did it, and it's, it's, it's dumb. Leave it out. Like the Nazis, Hitler is like incomparable. He's off the charts. Don't compare him to anybody else. But the strange insistence, as they do all the time, is you know come up with excuses why we said this and why it's okay. Well, whatever. So just to explain to our, our listeners who may have missed it over their Pesach fun, uh, you know, nobody sure. in any hotel missed this. Okay, That's, I, nobody. You know, no, no, well, nobody. I, I I look forward to you know in just a moment. So I had the uh, I had the distinct pleasure of being a scholar in residence at uh, at the Marco Polo in uh, Florida, Schechter Kosher Tours in Florida, and so I actually have uh, some few interesting stories to recount. Uh, to recount. Um, however, this is I think is you're absolutely right. It's hard to just walk away from this, and you're right. This was also the talk of Pesach once it happened. Um, interestingly, on both sides, those who are defending and those who are or beating up. But ver- to, to, to tell the story, Sean Spicer, in response to uh, sort of the Trump administration's bombing um, bombing of Syria, to, to, to discuss and to try and, and make a point of how bad the Assad regime is, right? How bad, you know, really why we had to go in and, and attack and send those missiles is because even, and this is, and I quote Sean Spicer, even Hitler did not gas his own people. 
Let's think about that for a moment. <laughs> I mean, well, there's so much in there. I, I can't even. <laughs> it's it's either ignorance of gas or not thinking of Jews as his own people or all those others. But he did gas hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of Germans, and it's uh and you know and including Jews. I mean, it just all those people it, it who defies. But then into the gas chamber. But then you know the idea is standing before the press corps and say, well, of course there were Holocaust centers. Like it almost, it almost makes it like, what the heck are you talking about? And that was, by the way, only after he was questioned by a reporter. Like maybe you right. want, and, and to the, maybe I, maybe you want maybe, to clarify maybe that. Maybe I should rethink this for a second. You know, hold on, let me check my notes for a second, or at least, you know, call. You know, I mean, like as they used to say, you know, get a lifeline, right? I mean, you know, you should be able to call somebody during one of these press conferences <laughs> and say, hey, can you can you help me out with this? Like, you know, should we let's, pull the audience? Let's, let's take a break for a second. You know, let's let's take a break here and let's try and figure out. Okay, let give me the right word here. Can I? I don't know if you saw this yesterday, and and I uh, spent the day yesterday driving home, uh, driving back to New York from Florida. Interestingly enough, I don't know if you oh, saw. You wanted to see Red State America, exactly. Uh, <laughs> So the Patriots, and we're going to get to this. I know we're going to get to this. The Patriots, uh, the New England Patriots were at the White House yesterday for their Super Bowl photo op slash presentation slash, you know, meeting with the president post-Super Bowl win. And Rob Gronkowski walks into the press room and asks Sean, Sean Spicer, hey, you want me to step in? And Sean Spicer uh, says, don't worry, I got it. Now, you know, we all make fun to the memes about Rob Gronkowski. I actually think he may do a better job at that podium. And so I actually thought it was interesting yesterday, sort of given the events of last week. You know, maybe give the guy a shot. You know, we can't do much worse than we've got there right now. Um, it, was, it was unbelievable. And Absolutely unbelievable. And truthfully, while it's the worst from a Jewish perspective, I get just two things here. Number one, actually, we should note that Boris Epstein, who is the original, um, the original... Uh, who committed the original sin here of leaving the Jews out of the Holocaust, at least according to the White House, who wrote that statement on Holocaust Remembrance Day back in January, International Holocaust Remembrance Day, not to be confused with Holocaust Remembrance Day coming up. I'm always confused. But the he wrote that original statement, leaving the Jews out of the Holocaust. He has actually left the administration um, and gone into, gone uh, become, is becoming a full-time television pundit. Um, it looks like a, a good job for him because he actually is a very, very good and very effective on TV, but very short term in the administration. Uh, he apparently just did not get along with pretty much anybody uh, from what, uh, from what reports are, but he has now left, but we'll just, so he, so he's out. And the, the point here that, they just seem to have this inability to to when they when they try and cover up and try and recover it actually becomes worse and it's a, it's a, like like what's going on with this the whole thing over the USS Vinson right this aircraft carrier battle group that the president said is steaming towards North Korea of course they were actually steaming the other way which is fine i mean i understand they have to you know, they they had pre-scheduled maneuvers with the Australian navy and well, that's that's totally that's right but you know and then special's like well i didn't get it wrong you got it wrong <laughs> <laughs> like I'm not wrong. You guys are wrong. <laughs> I know we're gonna get to this, and I wanna I wanna stop us here. Hard stop. I know we're gonna get to this. You know, I hope we're gonna talk. I hope we're gonna get to this. The, the chocolate cake and oh yes, and, and I cannot wait to discuss it. But I wanna I wanna hard stop for a second because we just talked about uh, International Holocaust Remembrance Day and sort of like the mistake there was not leaving Jews out, even though that was a tremendous mistake. I'm willing to I'm willing to concede that you know. Okay, maybe it was an accident. You know, it's always been in there in the history of presidential statements. Jews have always been in that statement, so maybe it was some oversight. It was some mistake. 
But then, as we pointed out in previous shows, we've said that, okay, then the next day, get up, or the day after, the day after that, and say, okay, it was a mistake. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll amend the statement. We'll, we'll make an addendum, say, of course, you know, a quick statement from, from either the press secretary or the communications director basically saying, of course, you know, Jews are an important part, and, and we would never want to leave them out in our statement or in our remembrance. There is, you know, I spoke about this over Pesach again uh, at um, I was at uh, the Marco Polo. Shechter what what was tours. the percentage of, of of Trump versus not Trump? Uh, what was the percentage? I would of say pro? it was a large Trump sort of pro Trump Trump supporting audience. I don't know, 80, 20, 70, 30, oh, probably wow. maybe okay. even more. I don't like to say Democrat Republicans. It doesn't really. No, no, work no. Anymore. By the way, yeah. that is exactly right, and I learned that as well. And so, uh, you know, my goal in speaking, and I was happy to be the scholar in residence, and my goal was not to sit and talk about, uh, sadly. <laughs> Sometimes what we do here, I'm not, my goal wasn't to get up on stage and, and beat up on Trump. Uh, just the opposite. I want, I, you know, I tried to make the point and walk down the middle and say, you know, here are the mistakes. No one could, no one could deny that these are m- the mistakes. These are things that are easily fixable by this administration if they choose to fix them. But we have said this time and time again. This administration, this administration, does not choose to fix them. And I, it begs the question, why not? Why not? Why not get up the day after and say, whoops, I made a mistake. Whoops, it was an accident. You know, we're, we're new at this. You know, people kept saying, well, you know, President Trump is not a politician. Great. I, I, I get that. You know, like I said, as an American, I want to see him succeed. He's not a politician. So then, then it's not beyond you or beneath you to say, you know, whoops, I'm not a politician. I should have said this and I didn't. And I'm, I'm going to go in and make the correction. But here is the, here's what I want. The reason I bring this up is because the anger that people had towards me. There are a few people in the room, and not everybody, because I think even Trump supporters recognize, right, things like the Sean Spicer, right? These much simpler things have sunk in uh, press secretaries and spokespeople before, much, much lesser. People kind of got the point. I think even Trump supporters said, you know what? That may have gone over the line, right? The guy shouldn't have said it. Or International Holocaust Remembrance said, you know what? Maybe they should have made it. So even Trump supporters, but there were a few. I mean, there were a few who got angry. How dare you? How dare you only talk about the negative uh, of President Trump? He's a great man. He's going to do great things. There was no, you couldn't even, you know, literally, there was no break. There was no room to slip a tiny shadow of a doubt to say, like, I'm not saying he's a bad guy. I'm not saying he's doing bad things. I think he's a smart guy. I think he's a shrewd businessman. I think he could become a good president. I'm really hoping for it. I mean, I really, as an American, I want to see him do well. But people dare you question this man and the great things that he's done. I said, there's no way, if I can't talk about negative things, there's no way you could talk about all the positive Mm -hmm. things because it's only been 100 days. And so it just, it was fascinating to me. Well, let's just talk about it. I'd like to see I'd also like to see, and I've said this, you know, quite a few times. I'd like to see the positive things. I, I'd like to see, you know, there's a lot of things from a policy perspective. I'd like to see healthcare reform. I want to see Obamacare fixed. I want to see tax reform. I think it's really needed. I mean, we do need to tighten the federal budget. We do need a lot of things that to, to get done in Washington. The government is going to shut down in eight days without it without a deal. Um, I want to see a lot of these things happen, and they're not happening, and things are not getting done. Part of the reason is because he can't get out of his own way. No matter what happens, they seem to just lurch from one thing to another. And that was actually, again, that was actually the point of the lecture. The, the, the point of the lecture was, you know, politics and politicians have enough problems on their own, right? As, as a state assemblyman for five years, there's enough things that come at you every, every single day. Natural disasters, issues, problems, concerns, world affairs. There are literally every single day things that come at you. Don't create your own problems. That was essentially the theme of my talk. But people couldn't, there are some people who are so dug in, who are 
so infatuated with President Trump and this idea that, that he is the everyman that they couldn't even accept the fact that maybe he could do things a bit differently. Well, let me let me just ask because I think they, you know, I guess it's a good thing that the Tillerson's letter with regard to Iran didn't come out while you were there because I imagine <laughs> that some people would have been. I mean, you know, he, there's two big two big issues, and again, I, I kind of wish that, that it would not have. That by I, the way. Not that I make them the big issues, but the Iran. You know, okay, so now, so it's the worst deal in history, the Iran deal, etc. Now Rex Tillerson writes a letter to the Congress saying Iran is largely complying with the deal. This is after the president made many statements that they were in violation of the deal. He's going to renegotiate the deal. He's going to rip up the deal. We don't know exactly. I, look, I don't care. I mean, I mean. Really, I think it's a bad deal. I think overall it's a terrible deal. But if you, but also you have to match the, the you have to match your bite to your bark. I mean, I think that that's the case here. The other thing here is, you know, and I'm not a big proponent of, of moving the embassy, but I am. The idea here is that yes, he promised to move the embassy over and over and over, including after he was elected, and he, you know, either. He just is just like everybody else, and he's not supposed to be, meaning he's just promising, and he makes promises and empty promises like everybody else, and he's supposed to be different than every other politician. And it's, you know, I, I think it's, but, you know, you, this idea is like, well, you know, we didn't think about it. We didn't know that it was difficult. It's kind of like, well, I didn't know, you know, this week he said, I didn't know North Korea was going to be that difficult. And then he said beforehand, I didn't know healthcare was going to be that difficult. You know, there comes a point here that you have to realize the complexity of the, of, being president. Well, and, and I hate to say it, I don't know that I want, as a president, even if he, let me put it this way, I mean, it's, it's either he's extraordinarily humble and says that he doesn't, that he didn't understand it, um, which is, judging from his character in general, that's not likely. But I want the rest of the world to know that the president didn't realize that all these things were difficult. <laughs> but here's the funniest thing, right? And, 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 you know, I made that exact point. I made similar points to that. And the idea was not, well, I'm a, a President Obama supporting liberal Democrat and I'm here just to beat up on President Trump. I was making these very sort of politically astute points to say, recognize the challenge of the job. But I, the, a, a Trump supporter who I encountered a, a few, particularly during this lecture, who would basically get up and say, well, why are you talking about that? Only talk about the good things he's done. And what about the good things he's done? And what about the bombs he, he dropped and the, the force he's showing? And, and like, how dare you talk about those things, which, by the way, are not inherently negative, right? It's not like he's a bad guy or is doing a poor job because of this. All we're saying is that I respect the fact that he is not a politician. He's new to this. But then let's sort of you know manage expectation i mean i think that's key in politics is managing expectation don't tell us what you're going to do and then do none of it tell us nothing and then do something and i'd be the first one to get up and say wow look what he was able to do sadly he keeps building up expectation that i'm going to break down this deal i'm going to get us better health care i'm going to do all these great things and then he has and only to, to respond by doing none of it but here's what baffles me. Michael, I, I'm begging you because in, in, I've been in politics now almost 18 years. I need you to explain this to me. This un sort of this love, this devotion, this unbreakable just sort of bond that President Trump has built with his supporters to the extent that a man literally threw a chair. I mean, here's the funniest part. A man threw a chair at you? Not directly at me, but the chair got thrown. He was so angry he about that? He was so upset. And, and here's the funniest part. Okay, now part. we have to step back for a second. Michael, Let, I, let's set the stage for a second because <laughs> this, is, shouldn't, this shouldn't be said like in a vacuum. What happens here? No, you know, look, through this lecture, I think some people didn't want to hear, didn't want to hear, again, the points that you and I make right now. And so he walked out of the room only to walk to a different part of the room and, and mumble and, and criticize and, and talk about, oh, you're not mentioning the good things and to be almost disruptive. 
to the point where he he sort of this idea that well this is just liberal propaganda mm. michael anybody who knows me knows <laughs> that i am i am no pawn of the liberal agenda of the democratic agenda you know i like i like to think of myself as i've mentioned this show many times a pragmatic uh, you know legislator right a pragmatic government uh, sort of uh, always a pragmatic eye towards government service and i and i even I gave the president sort of credit for, you know, look, he wanted to address these issues and he tried and wasn't wasn't able to address them or wasn't able to get it through, like healthcare, for example. And I give him credit. I said, look, he tried to negotiate a deal, but he promised us all that he was going to get it done, right? It was he promised us all that it was going to happen. Deal maker. He's a deal maker. It's going to happen on the or first the day. Or right? the deal maker. And so, ma- all I was the, the point I was trying to make is manage expectations. But right. again, there was, you know, most people in the room who I think like me, common sense, like you know what, you're right. International Holocaust Remembrance Day, every president mentions Jews as part of the statement. Interestingly, I read the statement that the president gave, um, and there was a few in the room who said, who said, yeah, great statement, great statement. I said, well, what's that statement missing? People who clearly hadn't heard about it or, or didn't follow it. And I said, so I read the statement out loud without saying a word, and I read the statement out loud, and there was a few people, again, the, the, the Trump supporters who got up and said, wow, well, that's a great statement, great statement. I said, and what's it missing? And everybody kind of looks at each other, and I said, well, it's missing Jews. And even those people looked up, and had nothing to say. Right. right. Well, I, I, it is indefensible. Th- there's nothing to say. Right. Even those. And so what they do. Oh, all you do is talk about the bad stuff. All you do is talk about the bad. I said, no, I'm trying to make a point. It's by the way, it's that happens all the time. It's like I'm talking about the bad stuff. I'm talking about what they said. This is I'm not. It's, it's not my opinion. And, and here's the funniest part. They said, well, why are we wasting time talking about this? I said, you're right. Think about we're wasting time. The White House communications office spent days. After that happened, I said, you're right. It's bad enough that they we're talking about it. It's bad enough that we're talking about it. It's even worse that the White House spent days talking about it and defending it and standing up and digging their heels in instead of walking away. Well, and at least on. they let the guy who, who composed it go. So uh. we'll talk about that. Well, it's two things we got we to gotta move off of. Uh, and I'm actually curious. At, I guess we give opinion here. Obviously, Steve Bannon has become embattled. And uh, which I you know, didn't, I guess we could have anticipated a personality clash, but I really think it would be a, a pretty bad political move to get rid of him. I think when you're at, you know, hovering in the mid 30s and your base is a Bannon base, um, I imagine that it's going to be, it's, it would have some deleterious political effects to go ahead and get rid of it. You know, you could end up in the 20s if you get rid of the guy. Um, and, uh, you know, that might not be such a great idea, especially when you, came in as a conservative Republican, and then your senior leadership is going to be a Democrats. Um, I don't know how people feel about that. I don't know how long you anticipate Bannon lasting. I think it would make sense for him, for, for them to keep him. But, uh, you know, there seems to be conventional wisdom that, you know, it's hopelessly, once you take on Jared and Ivanka, even if they're off skiing, even if they're on vacation, uh, that's strange for White House staffers, but they're family members. I mean, I never, actually, I know a lot of people worked in the White House, and it's like, I've never heard of anybody taking vacations except in August. But we'll leave that aside for a second. How long will Steve Bannon last? You know, here's the interesting thing. You know, President Trump could, could minimize Steve Bannon even without, you know, firing him or getting him, without making a public statement. But well, I'm not I, sure he would go along but, with that. But, but, but no, but that's the, that, you know, this sort of, this goes to exactly... <clears throat> Excuse me. This goes to exactly what I was just saying: is that you don't have to make an issue of everything. You don't have to make a statement, sort of minimizing him, undercutting him. I mean, you could literally just sort of let we him flow never, in the background. You should never undercut your own people while they're in the White well, House. Of course. I mean, <laughs> look, have we heard? And, and interestingly enough, and, and I, I know we haven't brought it up. Have we heard from Kellyanne Conway in a long time? No. Right. 
And so maybe there's a way of minimizing people or sort of giving them a break or taking them out. Or maybe she's doing it. I don't know. Whoever's doing it, right? We we didn't create any controversy. And all of a sudden, for whatever reason, she's sort of fallen to the background. There's no reason why he can't sort of continue to, to make his base happy, keep Steve Bannon there. You know, whether he's listening to him or not, I don't think it needs to be debated in the court of public opinion, right? Every administration should be able to run the, the should be able to run itself. You know, you're only as good as the people you surround yourself with. You have made a, a, a big uh, you have made a big deal of of, of keeping of hiring number one hiring him. Even though remember there was a lot of pushback when he first made the announcement. It was one it was his first, if I recall, it was his first together previous and uh, Bannon together. That's right. And right. so, wouldn't it be smarter? I mean, and again and. and just let him sort of fade into the background. Even if you're not going to listen to him, you're right. A lot. He, the reason he brought him on, I think, is because a lot of those base supporters thought that that was a, a good move. And now I just don't understand it. I don't get the move. I don't understand well, it. And I, I, I can't explain it. But I do think that I his, think his ba- time is numbered. I, I think Bannon yeah, clearly understands a lot of people, you know, uh, the, the zeitgeist of a lot of the country, the feeling of a lot of the people, you know, out there and the... Um, that in places that delivered Trump his victory, you know, Wisconsin, Michigan, um, these pla- Pennsylvania, these places that are that have been hurting, that feel left out, and of the globalist economy. And but you know, it is strange how quickly they're pivoting, or if they are in fact pivoting, or it's that's it, how quickly they're pivoting towards the center. The question is, I just don't believe that centrist and left left leaning voters are going to go to Trump, no matter what he does. Look, the, the, these numbers are at historic lows. And I just I hate right. to say, so he's going to try and grab to the, to the middle and try and get himself, you know, it's not hey, happening. Right. I mean, it's just I don't see it. I don't see it. Now, here's the thing. Right. And I, I want to be clear to anybody, you know, to all our listeners and to, to everybody who's out there is that I'm not here to, to bash Trump. And I'm not this. The, the whole point here is well, like, if you I'm, have to keep saying defending it, that you're not here to bash Trump. That means you're being defensive. I'm being defensive <laughs> because I'll tell you this. Look, I, I'll tell you that is is that there's there the, the vocal minority, I think, here who who just give him this sort of carte blanche, do what you need to do, however you need to do it, great, as long as he's actually accomplishing something, but we're not right, actually... Right, we're not getting that. We're not getting there. And just one more point, we got to move off the president here for I mean, for, for today, but uh, this is we're with... We're not going to get the this, chocolate cake. No, no, we are. This, this is with this is with the Congress generally on his side, meaning Republicans have not turned against him. They haven't seen anything. Um, I think that, that probably would have changed significantly had this Tuesday the Democrat actually won outright the special election in Georgia. Democrats still might win. Um, they, the Democrat, Joel... Uh, Ossoff, uh, a a Jewish Democrat who uh, in the northern Atlanta suburbs uh, almost got 50% of the vote, got twice as many votes. I got as many votes as any other Republican did. There were like 13 something in the race. There were actually more than one Democrat in the race, although most of the Democrats supported him. It's a very Republican district, very red district. You know, I think the the thing is, you know, the Democrats are kind of taking a victory lap here that they've won again and they did better than expected and also uh, polled a little bit better than expected. They still didn't win. You got to win in politics. Nobody's going to remember. I think that you know the, the the president actually makes a point even on Twitter. He's like, "Yeah, okay, you know, we're we're still there. The Democrat didn't win, and the fact that he didn't win, and now the Republicans have a chance actually to win the seat. Um, yes, is it a moral victory? Do does anybody have to? You know, what is the takeaway if you're sitting there as a as a politician? Are you? I, I mean, personally, I think that there are a lot of Republicans have to be nervous. But in the end, if the Democrats can't, this guy didn't even live in the district, so the Democrats can't 
bring it home with in this kind of environment with all this money and all this attention and you know by having a guy it probably cost him one or two points not living in the district i would imagine I, I, <laughs> no it's got to it's got to cost you a couple points and that's the difference between my you know so it's the little things sometimes that make that make a difference you know they got it you still got to go out and recruit candidates in order to take back you want to take back the house you got to do it you can't you can't just say oh you know we, we we're going to put a really good effort into it. you actually got to do it we talked about this, I don't know, a couple months ago. I, you know, I don't see these elections as bellwether districts as, as sort of some sort of referendum on the president. I really don't. Now, I, I could get up here and say, well, you see, the Democrats are, are, are making, you know, are challenging where they shouldn't be challenging in races where they, where they shouldn't even have, have any chance. I don't, I, I, don't think it, I don't think this is a determination. I don't think there's enough time has passed. We're not even at 100 days and we're already making determinations based on certain congressional, uh, congressional districts, how the president is doing and, and so on. Look. I think we saw during the healthcare debate is that while you know maybe legislative leaders are not getting up and, and distancing themselves from President Trump, they're also not willing to sort of go along with everything he says and do everything he says. I mean, he put a tremendous amount of pressure. I mean, he, he literally threatened primaries against conservative Republicans if they didn't get along, and they didn't bend, and they didn't, and they didn't, uh, and they didn't. Um, uh, they didn't blink, and they they literally held up the president's agenda and. I hate to say it, at some point, somebody in the White House has got to say, how do we actually bring people together? I mean, look, I think what we talked about the day after the election, the night of the election, okay, folks, enough of the divisiveness, let's actually bring people together. Right. Well, he not, actually gave that type of speech on, on election night. And yet we have not seen, we haven't seen it. any of it, no. any of it. No, no, it's true. Uh, but, you know, look, from a bellwether perspective, I mean, there are a couple lessons to be learned here. I think the, you know, local, these are very local elections, um, and you have one coming up in Montana. Uh, that's going to be statewide to replace Ryan Zinke. Uh, you know, Democrat could win there. Democrats actually have one statewide in Montana, despite the fact of being a very red state. Uh, a lot of these Mountain West states did not were not heavily supportive of Trump. He didn't do, he didn't win those he didn't win those primaries. Those Ted Cruz country. We'll have to see. We'll have to see what um, you know where where these things go. But you know, if you're the if you're Paul Ryan, you're sitting there and you had to pour three million dollars into this race um, in a very red Republican a district that Tom Price carried in the '60s. Uh, you know, carried by twenty points. You can't be so happy about the fact about the way you know things are going. And there is momentum on the Democratic side. Um, let's just talk about Albany for a second. We have a first actually in Albany. Uh, M- Melissa DeRosa is now the secretary to the governor, which is the chief of staff position, number two position in the whole state. And I think what's erupted was actually quite interesting. The has been just an, an online war uh, between Democrats and Republicans over her. And, you know, I, I, you know, I believe, I mean, she is a, she's very tough. Um, she's very accomplished. And it's actually quite, you know, noteworthy. But the one thing, and, you know, if you look at Albany and we look at, you know, it's, it's quite interesting that Governor Cuomo was willing to appoint somebody whose father is probably one of the preeminent lobbyists in, in Albany, whose brother is a lobbyist, whose husband is a lobbyist. And it's kind of, and, you know, the excuse here, and I'm not getting, you know, it's not to, it's just not a knock on her, but, well, she recused herself for anything that they're involved in. Well, that could be like half the things that come along in your. How is it possible? And I mean, you know, the, 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 her father's firm basically is involved in everything. Uh, Bolton St. John's. I mean, that's a, just it's a bottom line. So, how do you recuse yourself from the, from that point of view? And it, what kind of message is that to send? And I don't want to preclude anybody because well, they're the because point. they how but, do you disqualify her based well, on, I, I, on what her father or other family members do for a living. It would well, be unfair to disqualify her. But absolutely. But I think. But how do you get past it? Point. Especially remember, we're coming. You know. 
I, we have talked about this a lot. It's and you didn't want to give the legislature a pay raise based on ethics. Reform. But that's I was just about that's to say it is so easy. You know, it's not about what you do right or wrong. It's about perception. It's about what are people going to perceive you to do right or to do wrong. And in this case, you're not leaving very much else, but every single, you're setting yourself up in a month from now or two months from now or three months from now. Over the coming weeks with, with big debates coming up as we wind down session in June, we're talking about winding down session already. As we wind down, you're going to come up with these issues. People are going to start questioning, well, the governor's only doing this because of that, and he's only doing this because of the relationship. Uh, I'm not saying that he's doing that or it's going to happen. I'm saying is that you're leaving people the opportunity to think that. And sadly, in today's day and age, perception is everything. Yep. Uh, well, I'll give you one more Cuomo uh, thing. Uh, we saw the governor's tax returns. Of course, we still haven't yet seen the president's tax returns, and even though he couldn't be on the audit because it's probably still too early. But uh, he did list his book revenue for his book, which was, um, I would say, rather unsuccessful. He got paid $783,000. The book sold 3,200 copies. That means he got $245 per book. The book only sells for $13. Actually, the list price is $30. So somebody, I mean, this is, this is one of the best deals. I mean, you have to get, for the governor. get out good there, for him. get out there, Phil, and write a book. I'm, I'm waiting for my deal. Absolutely <laughs> get, good get, for him. By the way, this, the fact that this is new, this is not news. This is, <laughs> $245 per book. <laughs> this is not, look, he made a deal. The publisher thought he would, it would sell more. I don't know why it has or why it hasn't. Maybe it'll get... Maybe he'll get more play when, uh, in, you know, a role leading up to 2020, if he's making a play for president, all of a sudden his book, you know, maybe this is a long-term game for the publisher. Who knows? But I don't think, you know, I don't think it's, uh, it's something that, that we need to talk about. I mean, it just is what it is. It was a deal that he made, regardless of how the book was going to sell. It's just the deal. That's just the way politics is. But like, I'm going to give my spin award for the week as we ride down. Bernie Sanders is going on a... On a tour with Democratic Chairman Tom Perez, we you need, can't break this up. You can't we make need this a longer stuff show. We do. We Bernie Sanders gets up there and like he's there to promote the Democratic Party, and they ask him, "Are you a Democrat?" And he says, "No, I'm an independent. I'm a socialist independent." Tom Perez is like sitting there. The Democratic Party chairman is like saying, "I thought we were here to promote Democrats." Bernie Sanders would have none of that. I mean, the guy is. It's it, it. It was. It was really. It was just a great moment in politics to for for to be there. And you know, Bernie Sanders was not there to promote the Democratic Party. He was there to promote himself. Sean Spicer owes Bernie Sanders a, a thank you for taking him out of the Spin Award category. <laughs> and this is Spin Class on the Nachum Siegel Network. Uh, we will see you next week. Stay tuned for Jew in the City Speaks with Allison Josephs.